Welcome to this podcast featuring well-known Bible teacher, Kevin Connor. For more information, visit kevinconnor.org. Turn your Bibles tonight to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Now we have, uh, while you're turning to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, we have, uh, I think, about three more lessons. Is that right? Or that's counting to night four. We finish on December the, the 2nd, I think it is, because the following week is um, uh, presentation night for Waverley Christian College. Third, is it okay? So we have what? That gives us three weeks. So what we're doing is taking a lesson a night, and next week, and then the following week, I'm going to finish up on the series on giving you an outline of what I believe are the general order of events relative to the second coming and bring together all the loose ends. Then the final session, uh, if you have any questions, uh, then I'm going to ask you to put them on a bit of paper and that night we'll make it a question night. And I uh, just pray that Solomon will attend that night. <laughs> so you can uh, just write your questions out and leave your name off. Then we attack the problem and we don't attack the person. That's always safe, isn't it? Yes, Kevin. All right, First Thessalonians chapter 1. And uh, we're going to read the uh, first uh, uh, ten verses we have of the epistle here. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus, under the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. You know where the church is. The church of the Thessalonians is in God the Father who is the source, and in the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the channel. And grace be unto you, and peace from God the Father, the source of all grace and peace, and the Lord Jesus Christ, who, who is the grace of God personified and brought us peace through the cross. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father, knowing, brethren beloved, your election of God. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power, and in the Holy Spirit, and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy, of the Holy Spirit, so that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God would be spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. All right, we'll hold it there. Now, on the back of your sheet here tonight, this is what we want to cover. 
We've been dealing a lot on uh, eschatology and uh, end time events, particularly as uh, outlaid in First and Second Thessalonians. And what I particularly want to uh, draw your attention to, something that we haven't shared for many, many years, is uh, verse 3 of this chapter we've just uh, read, where Paul says, Remembering without ceasing your work of faith and your labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ and uh, in the sight of God and our Father. Now, on the back of the sheet here, this is what we want to look at, and uh, I won't put all the details on the board here until uh, we have time to fill in. Now, as we go back to the founding of the church, and particularly in, in chapter 1 and 2 of 1 Thessalonians here, Paul is reminding the Thessalonians here of how the church was founded, what they went through, the opposition, the persecution that they experienced, and of the response of the Thessalonians when uh, Paul came to them and preached the gospel. And so we want to pick up this, and uh, what I want to look at is a church, as we've got on the top of our notes, a church in first love. What, uh, what does he actually mean by a church in first love? All right, that's what we want to look at tonight. All right, so on the back of your notes here, you see here, in the book of Acts, this is the basic order that Paul uh, followed when he founded these churches. Went to the city of Thessalonica, first of all, and then not long after that, passing through some other regions, uh, he went to Corinth from Athens, and the next church we have is the church of Ephesus. And I want you to notice a pattern, and uh, uh, you'll only pick this up, I think, I don't think some of the other translations in trying to uh, improve words or clarify words of that, I think they miss the beauty of what I want to share with you tonight. So if you want to put on your notes that this is uh, from the uh, authorised version, the King James Version, uh, otherwise your translation may miss the beautiful uh, pattern that we see here tonight. Now I want you to go back to the book of Acts and uh, just look at some principles here that we've got first of all. So Acts chapter 17, we have the founding of the church uh, at Thessalonica. Then Acts chapter 19, you've got these on your notes here, I mean Acts chapter 18, we have the founding of the church at Corinth. And then in Acts chapter 19, we have the founding of the church of Ephesus. Now you'll notice the order here because I think there's something very significant in what we'll be looking at tonight. So uh, Thessalonica, Acts 17, uh, Corinth in Acts 18, and Ephesus in Acts chapter 19. Alright, so let's go back to Acts chapter 17 and pick up a few thoughts. Now uh, we'll sort of be turning to the back and the front a little bit here, but you'll notice I've put on uh, uh, Acts chapter 17 verses 1 through to 14 we have uh, um, the founding of the church at Thessalonica here. So let's pick up a couple of verses here. Acts 17 verse 1. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia they came to Thessalonica where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Now let's just hold it there a moment and just verbalize your notes here. Okay, on page 15, this is a city of Thessalonica, uh, founded in uh, B.C., it should be not N.C., typewriter made a mistake again, uh, always blame the typewriter, okay, founded in B.C. 315 by Cassander, who named the city after his wife, a si uh, sister of Alexander the Great. city was about 100 miles west of Philippi, under the Romans it had a population of about 200,000, it was one of the greatest cities along the Ignatian Road, 
the military highway which connected Rome with the east. It was a wealthy city, its population being Greek, and many well-to-do Romans and also Jewish merchants were attracted by the commercial advantages of the city. Today it is called Salonika. It was the capital, both politically and commercially, of northern Greece or Macedonia. The religion of the city was pagan idolatry, and in the city was a colony and synagogue of the Jews with the Old Testament scriptures, and among them Gentile proselytes. So uh, in the dispersion from the Old Testament, uh, many Jews came back to the city of Jerusalem and were involved in the restoration, but uh, many Jews remain in the dispersion and I believe God used it as a per, uh, for his purpose there that in many of the Gentile cities there was a Jewish synagogue or we might say the Old Testament church and in the Jewish synagogue uh, they had the scriptures there and there was a colony of Jews and uh, many Gentile proselytes. Now once you notice a pattern here in each of these cities first of all there is a Jewish synagogue okay each of these cities that Paul goes to there's a Jewish synagogue. Now, I want you to turn over uh, to, uh, for a moment to Romans, Romans chapter 1. And uh, maybe uh, this is a question that sort of uh, has bothered you or it's been raised to you. Uh, and I hear this particularly as uh, I've travelled over the years and uh, that particularly when there was such an interest in the whole uh, Middle East situation. And so uh, I've had ministers say to me, God is through with the church. I was uh, shocked just last year, I think it was, I went to a particular place in Australia and uh, was shocked to hear a minister say, who'd been a missionary uh, for a number of years and had seen hundreds and hundreds of souls come to the Lord and God confirmed the word with signs and wonders, I was shocked to hear this man say that uh, God is finished with the church virtually and uh, it's now time for the Jews and quote this scripture as a lot of people do today to the Jew first. Okay, let's read Romans chapter 1 and pick this up here and I believe uh, it's really important to understand this. Romans chapter 1 and uh, verse 16. Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And so there's a, a teaching that's sweeping round today that God has finished with the church, the church is a failure, and that now we must go to the Jew because we have been disobedient and have not preached the gospel to the Jew, and Paul says to the Jew first. And so the gospel must go to the Jew first, and when we get the Jews saved, then the Jews will take the gospel to the Gentiles. How many have heard any teachings similar to that? Okay, some of us. All right, now, we want to answer that, and I want you to show you from the book of Acts in this pattern, first of all here. So here we have the old, uh, the old covenant church. The synagogue represents the old covenant church, and out of the synagogue, in each place, there is going to come the new covenant church. Okay, so Paul, if he, you know, you say, mark them that cause divisions. Paul was the worst one out. Because he always went to the synagogue first and out of the synagogue was going to come the New Testament church. All right, now let's follow a pattern here first of all and uh, you'll notice uh, these uh, scriptures on your notes but I'd like you to turn to them before we come back to Romans 1 here. So uh, the gospel of Christ, the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Okay, let's go to Acts chapter 13. Acts 13. 
And maybe I should make the statement that I believe, first of all, I believe the gospel went to the Jew first. It does not have to yet go to the Jew first. I believe the scripture is very, very clear on this, that the gospel did go to the Jew first, but he rejected the gospel, and so God turned to the Gentiles. And uh, let's see the pattern here. And if people would only read what I'm giving you tonight in the light of Romans 1, and another verse we'll be looking at there, I think it would clarify that whole quote-unquote Jewish confusion. All right, Acts 13.5. Now this is where uh, the church at Antioch, and we have prophets and teachers, and as they're ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit was able to speak in that church uh, through somebody, not just out of the air. And Barnabas and Paul, or Saul as he was then, were separated for the work whereunto the Holy Spirit had called them. Then we see in verse uh, 4, And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth of the Holy Spirit, sent forth by the church, and yet sent forth by the Spirit. And notice the pattern now, and this is Paul's pattern all the way through. Verse 5, And when they were at uh, Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues, of the Jews. So first thing, to the Jew first. Paul has said it, and he's practiced it already in, in the book of Acts. They preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews first. Verse 15, and when, uh, verse 14, 15, but when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch and Pisidia, and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and sat down, and after the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent unto them, saying, you men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. And Paul said, I will. Uh, it's dangerous to give him the pulpit. Uh, but that was his job. So to the synagogue. Go down to Acts chapter 14, verse 1. And it came to pass in Iconium. Now they're in another city here. Uh, that they went both together un into the synagogue of the Jews. And so spake that a, a great multitude, both of the Jews and also of the Greeks, believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil affected against the brethren. Long time therefore abode they speaking boldly in the Lord which gave testimony under the word of his grace and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the multitude of the city was divided and part held with the Jews and part with the apostles. And uh, what a, you know, apostolic powerful time they had there. Acts chapter 17 Acts 17, now we go to Thessalonica here, which we've just read, and verse 1. But when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, okay, so Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them, not out of his head, but out of the Scriptures, opening alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Christ. Verse 10, while in that chapter, verse 10, And the brethren immediately after the uproar in Thessalonica, the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind, and searched the scriptures daily whether these things were so. Go down to uh, verse 17. You can add that verse 10 on your notes if you uh, want to. I missed it there. Verse 17. Uh, Paul is now in Athens. Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons in the market uh, daily with them that met with him. Always to the Jew first. Acts 18. Now he goes to Corinth. 
at verse 14. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. And when Silas and Timotheus would come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ, was Christ, he is the Christ. Acts 19 verse 8, we go to Ephesus now. Acts 19 verse 8, and Paul, uh, Paul is coming to Ephesus now. And so in verse 8 it says, And he went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. But when divers were hardened and believed not, but spake evil of that way, or literally the way, before the multitude, he departed from them and separated the disciples disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannus, and so forth. All right, so we notice all the way through, Paul went to the synagogue to the Jew first. Now I want you to go back to Acts chapter 3, and I want you to pick up the word first with me here. <coughs> Acts chapter 3, uh, these scriptures are on your, on your notes here. But I believe if we read these scriptures, understand them, it'll uh, settle this uh, thing about the gospel going to the Jew first. <coughs> Acts 3 and verse 20, uh, 25 and 26 we'll lead into, and I've circled the word first here. Uh, you are the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, and in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. Unto you first, here it is, to the Jew first, unto you first, God having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you. And what greater blessing could you have than this, if you respond in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. So unto you first, God having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you, to the Jew first. Acts 13, Acts 13 and uh, verse 46, a very, very important verse. Acts 13 and verse uh, 46. Let's uh, read from verse 44 to lead into it. And the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city to hear the word of God. Must have been something different about their preaching, don't you think? But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with glory, hallelujah, and gladness, and said, praise God, this is absolutely fantastic. This is what we've been looking for for years. No, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. We don't believe what these guys are saying. Blaspheming. And now listen to the almost the pivotal verse on this uh, to the Jew first. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, to the Jew first. But seeing you put it from you, and God doesn't judge you, but you judge yourselves, unworthy of everlasting life. Lo, we turn to the Gentiles. For so has the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set you to be a light of the Gentiles, that you should be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed, and the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. 
All right, so how many can see that Paul's pattern was always to the synagogue, to the Jew first, the old covenant church, and he was going to the old wineskin to offer them the new wine. But they were so dried up and shriveled up as an old wineskin, they couldn't handle it. And so in every city we have a division. And out of each of the synagogues comes now the New Testament church. So Paul never addresses his epistles to the old covenant church, to the Jewish synagogue and the chief rabbi. He always says to the church, to the church. So out of the synagogue would come the New Testament church, or out of the old covenant would come the new covenant, those that responded. All right, so here. Now let's turn uh, just for one other verse here and then we want to move on. Uh, I want you to turn back to Romans. Romans chapter 1 and chapter 2. Now this scripture is on your notes here. Now, in Romans chapter 1, as we've read in verse 16, and we'll read it again, this is the verse that is quoted so much by those who uh, are concerned about the Jew or feel that the Jew is still the chosen nation, the elect of the elect, and the Jew is more important than the church. So Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, but it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Now, Paul has been to the Jew first, as I've given you, uh, uh, you know, a number of scriptures there, six or seven scriptures. He's been to the Jew first, and, and, the, and the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and to the Greek. So believing Jews, believing Greeks, coming into the New Testament church, out of the Old Testament synagogue. Now, why don't those who quote that one go over to chapter 2? And let's pick up the last to the Jew first. Alright, let's pick up in, um, oh, where do you start with Paul? Um, verse, uh, latter part of verse 5, just for time here. Uh, the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds, to them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and, lo and honour and immortality, eternal life. Right, those who by patient continuance in well-doing and they're seeking for glory and honour and immortality, he renders to them eternal life. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil of the Jew first, and also of the Gentile. So the Jew first. Indignation, wrath, tribulation, anguish of the Jew first, and also of the Greek, the Gentile. But glory, honour and peace to every man that worketh good, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile, for there is no respect of persons with God. How many think the scriptures are so clear? So why do we make a respect of persons before God and say, oh, the Jew is more important than a Gentile? And, and this is one of the things that troubles me over the years when I was in the Middle East and we were seeing the Arabs saved and the Arabs were being saved by the scores through missionary work there. 
but the Western world rejoiced more over one Jewish soul being saved than a thousand Africans being saved or a thousand Arabs being saved. Eh? So is God a respected person? Does God love a Jewish soul more than he loves the soul of an African? No, there's no respect to persons with God. He loves everybody equal. He does not love the Jew more than he loves any Gentile. Do you believe that tonight? Okay, so Paul went to the Jew first. That scripture has been fulfilled and the Jews thrust it from them. And as I've said before, I believe God will pour his spirit out on the Jew, but he's not going to exalt the Jew above the church and say, okay, I finish with the church now. Uh, the church is my bride and my body, but I'm going to cut the head off, leave the body out there, a, body, a bodiless head or a headless body, and I'm going to get rid of my bride because I love the Jew better than the church. No way. You see how faulty that whole uh, thing is. And everybody said amen. Thank you. Okay, back to our notes after that. So we've gone through those scriptures here. Uh, you notice when Paul went into Thessalonica, he reasoned out of the Old Testament scriptures. They have no New Testament scriptures. So they had just the Old Testament scriptures, and so Paul is showing from the Old Testament scriptures the uh, prophecies concerning uh, Christ and showing by historical fulfillment and prophetical correspondence how Jesus of Nazareth fulfilled all those scriptures. He reasoned on the Sabbaths. Uh, the seven-day Adventists used and said, well, Paul kept the Sabbath. He only went there on the Sabbath because trying to get them to come from the Sabbath and the whole synagogue and the Old Covenant into the New Covenant, not because he was keeping Sabbath. Uh, opening and alleging the scriptures, opening the word of God. What was the response? Just following our notes here. Some believe uh, of the Jews and of the great, a great multitude of Greeks believed and chief women among them. And Paul commends them in the chapter we read that they turned from idols, uh, dead gods, inanimate gods, to serve the living God and wait for his son from heaven who would come back again and uh, a lot of opposition from the lewd and base fellows and uproar in the city assault, uh, they assaulted the house of Jason and false charges were laid and Jews stirred up the trouble now let's go back to Thessalonians here now notice uh, in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 now and see what Paul says as we uh, wrap up on this part and then uh, start our fill-in here. Okay, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and as he continues from chapter 1, or as we've got the chapters of how they, ca uh, they came in with the gospel, notice in verse 13 of chapter 2. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you receive the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. For you, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews, and listen to the language, who both kill the Lord Jesus and their own prophets, and have persecuted us, the apostles, and they please not God, and they're contrary to all men, and they forbid us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved, but for to fill up their sins always, for the wrath is come upon them to the uttermost. 
That's pretty heavy stuff, isn't it? And it frightens me when you think of a nation like uh, Malaysia, where the Muslim power forbids the preaching of the gospel to any Malay person, and how many millions will be in hell because the authorities have forbidden the gospel to be preached only to the Chinese people. You go to the Middle East, when I was in the Middle East, uh, it is absolutely against the law for anybody to witness to a Jew in the Middle East. To witness or proselyte. If a Jew asks a question, you can answer it. But if you preach to a Jew, witness to a Jew, you are put out of the country. It's against the law. Huh? And so think of the authorities who are damning their people, sending them to hell by withholding the gospel. And that's exactly what Paul's experience. Forbidding us to preach to the Gentiles. Don't preach the gospel to the Gentiles. Don't give them the gospel. Huh? Jewish sectarianism and nationalism. Greatest tragedy. So they kill the Lord Jesus. They kill their own prophets. And they persecute the apostles. Tragic. So the gospel has gone to the Jew first. All right, now, just on your notes here, we need to move on as time keeps moving on. So we have the founding of the church of the Thessalonians, and what a great church, and there's no real fault recorded against this church. I believe it's a church in first love. Then we go to the founding of the church at Corinth, and I've just put a, a little brief outline of what happened there, uh, and then the founding of the church at Ephesus. Now, I want you to uh, turn over the page now here, and uh, let's go for some of our fill-in. All right, now, we notice what we've done here, Paul's order to the synagogue, to the Jews first, he's fulfilled that. And uh, from the synagogue comes the New Testament church and uh, he's going to bring them out of the covenant, uh, the old covenant, through the cross and bring them into new covenant reality. So they no longer need old covenant ceremonialisms and everything the Judaizers from the synagogues try to impose on the Gentile believers, circumcision, Sabbath days, new moons, meats, and uh, uh, sac uh, ceremonials of the law. And so the, the, it was the Judaizers out of the synagogues that harassed Paul everywhere he went and the New Testament church. All right, now, when Paul writes, this is what he commends the church for. Okay, now, as I said, you have to pick this up uh, from, uh, from the authorised translation. Other translations have changed the words, try to upgrade them or make them simple or what have you, but in doing so, I think they miss what I'm sharing with you here tonight. Now, in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 3, which is sort of our text that we're getting to, Paul commends them and, and gives thanks to God, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing, number one, and this is your first fill in here, your work of faith. Okay, your work of faith. And then the next thing he says, and labor of love. Okay, so here's your fill in now. Here he's writing to a church in first love. So work of faith and labor of love. And then the third thing he commends them for is, and your patience of hope. Patience of hope. Okay, now you'll notice the, the uh, abiding three, faith, hope, and love. Now, let's go way over to Revelation for a moment and see a contrast here. Revelation chapter 2. 
Now the Lord's writing to the church at Ephesus through the Apostle John. So we've got Thessalonica, Corinth and Ephesus. And we have the great epistles, uh, two epistles to Thessalonica, two epistles to Corinth, two epistles to Ephesus. The Ephesian epistle uh, from Paul and the epistle from John on the Isle of Patmos. So each of these churches get two epistles which I've put on your notes there. Now listen to what the Lord says in Revelation chapter 2. And verse 1, unto the angel, the angelos, the messenger of the church of Ephesus, write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands, or candlesticks. I know, now listen to the language we've got here, and it's significant that in the King James translation he picks up the same words, but something's missing. Now he says, I know thy works. I know thy works. And I know thy labour, and thy patience. Oh, so here we have works, labour, patience. And how you cannot bear them which are evil, and you've tried them which say they're apostles, and are not, and you've found them lies. And you have borne, and have had patience, and for my name's sake have laboured, and you have not fainted, but... Nevertheless, in spite of all your works and your labour and your patience, I've got something against you because you have not lost your first love, which is often misquoted by preachers, not lost your first love, you have left your first love. Now, just as we look at here, what's missing? See, in, in the church of first love that receives the revelation about his coming, and even as the book of Revelation is about his, his second coming too, but there's something missing in Ephesus which constitutes the three ingredients of first love, a church in first love. Okay, so in Thessalonica, it is the work of faith. It is the labour of love. It is the patience of hope. And over here in Ephesus, we have work, and we have labour, and we have patience, but what's missing? Faith, hope, and love. Now, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 13. So you fill in your answers on your note there, 1 Corinthians 13. And here we have another church. See, those of you may remember when I did a series on catechism with carnal charismatic Corinthians. How many remember that series? That's a good CCCC. Well, here is a charismatic Corinthian carnal church. And he gets right to the heart of things that involve love and 1 Corinthians 13, 13, which we know so well. And now abideth faith, and I'll put them in the order we've got here, faith, hope, and love. Or faith, hope, and charity. These three, but the greatest of them is charity. The greatest of these is charity. Now, what's missing in the Ephesian church? Faith, love, and hope. But now what's missing in the Corinthian church? Work, labour, patience. So both these churches are devoid of something. And see, this thing constitutes first love that they've left. They're missing. So, you know, and I applied this very practically, and I've said this many, many years ago. There's always a danger in any church 
that we can get so busy with the works. Oh, we're working hard for the Lord in Waverley, you know, Christian Fellowship. We have Sunday meetings and then we have Royal Rangers. Royal Rangers. We have Action Night. We have Kids Class. We have, you know, oh, we're really busy. We're labouring for the Lord and we're really enduring and putting up with lots of things and just really, and yet we can get so busy and active in all these things and be missing out on faith, hope and love. In other words, it's not a work of faith and it's not a labour of love or it's not a patience of hope. And if we have works and labour and patience with all the activities that go on in this place and we, we, we lose that faith, hope and love, we've left our first love. And that goes individually and corporately as a church. So I'm not saying this to condemn us, but just to encourage us, let's maintain first love. Let's not lose our, our faith and our hope and our love in the Lord and not just, oh, we'll go through the grind, go to church on Sunday because we have to. And it just becomes, and see, it becomes like the church at Ephesus. Instead of finding a, a, uh, a bride in first love, he finds a woman who's a house slave and doing all these things. But the very thing. I'd hate to come home to my wife and I've been working hard today and labouring for you, washing your clothes, doing your dirty shirts and how many, how many days did you wear that shirt? Ten days. Uh, and the, the neck was, you know, and I just have to put up with all these things. I'm glad my wife has faith in me. I'm glad my wife loves me. Louder, please. I'm glad my wife has hope for me. <laughs> Let's go to a couple of scriptures. Boy, that time goes. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 6. And uh, so much could be said on this, but I hope you've picked up something. And what I'm saying here is that I believe the church that is going to be alive to the coming of the Lord is going to be a church like uh, Thessalonica. Church in first love. Labor of uh, work of faith. Labor of love and patience of hope. Uh, let's go to Hebrews chapter 6. This we've got about two more minutes, I think, here, if that clock's right. Um, Hebrews chapter uh, 6, and, and uh, circle the words if you haven't already got this from, oh, I forget how many, many years ago now. Verse 10, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labour of, what? Love, uh, which you have showed towards his name and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do share the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that you be not slothful but followers of them who through faith and... Oh, look at it. Verse 10, love. Verse 11, hope. Verse 12, faith. Faith, hope and love. Uh, Colossians chapter 1. Colossians 1. This uh, eternal trinity, this eternal trio, the abiding three, the threefold cord, which is not quickly broken. Colossians 1 and verses 4 and 5. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which you have toward all the saints for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. Faith, love, hope. The eternal trio. One other scripture, and then it looks like our time's through. I need to give you a couple of fill-ins there. Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1. These scriptures are on your notes here. Ephesians 1. The abiding three, the eternal trio. And the greatest of these is love. 
Uh, Ephesians 1 verse 15, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and love unto all the saints, uh, verse 18, the eyes of your understanding being, uh, being enlightened that ye may know what is the hope of his calling. Faith, love, hope. Put down on your notes our last uh, fill in there on page 16. Okay, the uh, number one, the word faith. I think this is right. I left my notes at home tonight. Uh, number one, the word faith is mentioned 14 times in 1 Thessalonians and 7 times in uh, 2 Thessalonians. Number two, hope is used four times in 1 Thessalonians. Uh, it uh, involves the blessed hope, hope of Messiah's coming, and one time in 2 Thessalonians. And love is used seven times in 1 Thessalonians, five in 2. And then uh, we've all heard a little bit of this over the years, down the bottom. Hebrews 11 is the what chapter? The faith chapter. Romans 8 is the, the hope chapter. And 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter. How many think the Bible could be inspired? How many uh, understand when I, I say, well, I appreciate and use other translations a lot, as you know, but the King James translation brings out this beautiful harmony. Work of faith, labour of love, patience of hope, faith, love and hope, and Corinthian, with all their gifts and everything like that, well, carnality, they needed some work and labour and patience. But Ephesus has got so much work, labour and patience, but lacks faith, hope and love, left first love. I want to be in this type of a church, don't you? Can you say amen? I want to be in this type of church, amen? Church in first love for the second coming. Let's stand. Father, we just thank you again for the privilege we have of uh, drawing aside from our regular weekly activities and just feeding on your word, uh, feeding the inner man, Lord, and being built up in the most holy faith. And Father, we just uh, thank you not just for the uh, study, Lord, but the truth of your word. And we pray, Lord, that we at Waverley Christian Fellowship will be a church that is in and maintains first love. Help us not to leave our first love, Lord. Help us not to be just so busy with works and labour and putting up with things and endurance and, 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 and leave that faith and hope and love. Lord, our faith is towards you, our love is towards you and towards each other and our hope is in your return. Keep us in your first love, individually and corporately, Father, and seal this word to our hearts. Let your presence be with us now, Father, as we separate and till we gather again over the weekend. May we come in a spirit of first love to love and adore you and to rejoice in your presence and worship you in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Everybody said amen. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org where you can access PDF downloads of all of Kevin Connor's books as well as his video training courses including the Key of Knowledge Seminar and Foundations of Christian Doctrine.